Hi, this is Skylar Reese and I'm one of the portfolio managers on GWK's taxable bond team. I'm going to take a few minutes today to provide a brief overview of some of the major themes of the past three months, briefly touch on the performance of our strategies, and discuss our positioning and outlook as we move into the final quarter of 2014. The third quarter was a challenging one for risk assets, as a steady stream of negative headlines weighed on sentiment despite further improvement in the incoming economic data. In that vein, starting with the good news, our domestic economy seemed to show signs of further improvement throughout the quarter. Manufacturing data ticked up, and despite a modest cooling in September, recent prints remained very near their highest levels of the post-crisis period. Importantly, this expansion is being corroborated by each of the regional surveys, which we think helps to underscore the broad-based strength of the recovery. Output reflects this growth, um, and second quarter GDP currently sits at a heady 4.6% level. Additionally, with the consensus for third quarter growth settling into the 3% range, our domestic economy seems to have fully recovered from the first quarter's weather-driven slowdown. Crucially, the consumer sector also showed signs of real strength during the quarter, as auto sales and retail sales suggested a more confident consumer. Continued improvement in the labor market is undoubtedly the driving force behind this trend, as we have averaged nearly 230,000 jobs added per month throughout 2014. Uh, with this in mind, I'm quickly going to touch on a few developments at the Fed. Uh, first, the Fed is set to conclude its quantitative easing program in October. While this means that new purchases will cease, the Fed is going to continue to reinvest the proceeds of maturities and paydowns into agency mortgage-backed securities. Uh, additionally, the Fed has announced that it has no plans to sell any of its mortgage holdings and is going to let that part of its portfolio run off organically. Uh, separately, the Fed firmed its pledge to keep interest rates low for an extended period of time after the end of the QE program, which really helped to stabilize the Treasury market over the last few weeks of September. Uh, lastly, and, and really most importantly, the Fed updated its economic forecast with the release of its summary of economic projections. These updates reflected a few interesting themes, uh, namely the improvement in the labor market is happening more quickly than expected. Uh, and the Fed you know, lowered its expectations for the unemployment rate in 2014, 2015, and 2016. Um, simultaneously, they also cut their expectations for future growth and lowered their year-end GDP forecast for the same time periods by one to two-tenths of a point. Um, lastly, uh, the Fed's expectations for the appropriate level of the funds rate continued to evolve and suggest that the tug-of-war between the FOMC's doves and hawks is ongoing. The median Fed funds targets for 2015 and 2016 ticked up to 1 and 3 eighths and 1 and 7 eighths respectively, and the new projection for 2017 came in at 3 and 3 quarters percent. Interestingly, all three of these levels are substantially above dovish levels being priced uh, in, in the Fed funds futures and euro dollar markets. And stepping back for a moment to digest all of this, I think that the tremendous flattening of the yield curve that we've seen this year does seem to fit this narrative as higher front-end yields reflect the coming end to easy policy, while the continued rally in longer-dated rates seems to reflect the sobering reality of diminished potential growth, both domestically and abroad. Uh, perhaps more important to asset performance during the second quarter, however, was what was happening outside of the U.S. Starting first with Europe, we've seen the continent struggling with a real collapse in prices and a worrisome outlook for growth, as the slowdown has started to weigh on the region's strongest economies. And while the ECB has already announced plans to implement a QE program to combat the specter of deflation, it remains to be seen whether the scope of the program will be large enough to have the desired effect. Uh, adding to the list of concerns about growth, 
during the quarter was China, which seems likely to see a deceleration in real GDP to the 6 to 7% range, uh, as recent commentary from Chinese officials seems to suggest that any incremental easing to target growth above that range is unlikely. And while this is still a fairly robust level relative to most of the developed world, uh, it's, it's significantly lower than some of the frothy levels uh, seen in China over the course of the past decade. Um, and though the effects are, are harder to quantify, really the, the ongoing war in, in eastern Ukraine, the worsening situation in Syria and Iraq, and the spread of, Ebola, of the Ebola virus have all also you know, weighed on sentiment to one degree or another. And thus with global growth very much in question, commodities, cyclical sectors, and risk assets you know, came under pressure throughout the quarter. Um, you know, this weakness, in my opinion, was highlighted by the collapse of oil prices down towards that $90 a barrel level um, and really acute pressure on, on iron ore and coal spot prices. With the global economy cooling, longer-dated Treasury rates continued to rally as well, uh, while front-end rates weakened as the market anticipated the coming end of easy policy. Five-year yields rose 13 basis points, uh, and, the, and the long bond rallied another 16 basis points, meaning that the slope of the curve between these maturities flattened uh, and ultimately closed the quarter at its lowest level since early 2009. With the yield on the long bond nearly 80 basis points lower year-to-date, it's returned a remarkable 17.6%. Um, and during the quarter, the broad Treasury index delivered a positive return of 34 basis points uh, and is up 3.1% year-to-date. Turning to credit, excess returns during the quarter turned negative amid pretty challenging technicals. Um, given the, its higher technical vulnerability, high yield was the notable underperformer and endured two large sell-offs during the quarter. While the first was you know, largely attributable to several consecutive weeks of large outflows, the second sell-off coincided with a deluge of corporate bond supply in September. Uh, as with more than 120 billion and nearly 50 billion pricing in the investment grade and high yield markets, respectively, during the last month of the quarter, uh, alongside generally poor risk sentiment, the market you know, very much struggled to find levels where risk would clear and spreads widened. Uh, when it was all said and done, the option-adjusted spread of the high yield index was nearly 90 basis points higher, and the average dollar price had fallen nearly four points. This left the OAS on the index more than 40 basis points wider than where it began the year. Total returns uh, for high yield were, were negative to the tune of 190 or so basis points during the quarter and stand at 3.5% uh, year-to-date. Uh, amid you know, the very poor risk sentiment, which I mentioned, we saw a notable underperformance in the lower quality segments of the high yield market as triple C bonds endured losses of 2.7% as their spreads widened 148 basis points while double B bonds lost only 1.3% and widened more palatable 59 basis points. At the sector level, while gaming was the worst performing segment of the high yield market, this largely reflected weakness in, in one distressed casino operator. Uh, more, more important really to the performance of both the market and our portfolios was, was the sharp repricing of the metals and mining oil field services and independent energy sectors. Uh, as the market really pounded the cyclical exposures given the weak outlook for global growth and the sharp decline in, in commodity prices. Investment grade corporate bonds also endured a pretty challenging quarter as spreads widened 13 basis points and reversed the vast majority of the rally year-to-date. The quarter's um, you know, minus 10 basis points return brought the year-to-date return for the IG index to 5.6 percent. 
We saw decompression within investment grade as well, uh, as triple B spreads widened 15 basis points and lost 20 basis points in, in total return terms during the quarter relative to more modest losses in higher quality bonds. As was the case in high yield, cyclical sectors underperformed, uh, and this weighed on the performance within the lower rated uh, end of the investment grade market. Uh, importantly, the triple B space is the only quality which is, is tighter year to date. Looking quickly at the other major parts of the aggregate, government-related debt, including agencies, sovereigns, and taxable munis were ge generically wider during the quarter, given weak risk sentiment. The securitized space was also wider during the quarter, though the combination of the Fed's pledges to continue its reinvestment program and grad gradually run off its mortgage holdings and strong performance from higher coupon collateral supported performance in September. Turning now to performance, given the weakness in high yield, particularly in some of our favored sectors like energy and basic materials, our performance lagged during the third quarter. From an attribution perspective, uh, we were hurt by the continued flattening of the yield curve, our overweight to credit, uh, and selection. Uh, a few bright spots included selection within our triple B corporates and the agency mortgage market, though this was you know, largely offset by uh, underperformance in our high yield names. Um, that said, I'm very happy to report that relative performance looks much better over the course of 2014, and most of our strategies enjoy a healthy lead over their benchmarks entering the fourth quarter. Uh, as we do enter that final quarter of, of 2014, we expect market volatility to remain elevated. Investors will continue to parse every release of economic data in an effort to predict the exact timing of the Fed. As the date of the first rate hike approaches, the short end of the curve should remain under pressure, while the longer dated yields should benefit from low inflation expectations and demand for safety and the relative attractiveness of U.S. debt. In addition to the prospect of higher rates, geopolitical tensions and global growth concerns should also uh, weigh on sentiment. Despite these risks, however, uh, we maintain the generally constructive view of risk assets as strong corporate balance sheets and improving labor market and ongoing support from the Fed should provide favorable conditions for spread product. We're generally market weight duration. Uh, although we expect a modest rise in rates, particularly at the short end, we also expect to see the curve flatten uh, and therefore see some value uh, a, a bit further out the term structure. We maintain our preference for intermediate exposures and believe that the extra carry offers returns that more than compensate for some of the risk of rising rates in that part of the curve. Uh, we believe that investment-grade corporates offer attractive value as their spread above treasuries enhances returns and should help to reduce exposure to rising interest rates. At 112 basis points, we think that investors are being adequately compensated for the credit risk they're assuming in the investment-grade space, particularly given the strength of today's corporate balance sheets and the responsible financial policies among borrowers. Uh, within IG, we continue to favor triple B-rated bonds, which offer 46 basis points of spread relative to single A for a pretty tolerable uh, level of additional credit risk. Uh, additionally, we maintain our overweight exposure to more cyclical sectors, which have been the most significantly hurt by negative sentiment and which we believe will be the largest beneficiaries of any uh, coming improvement uh, in, in the global economy. We're also overweight high yield uh, where applicable. Given our expectation for low default rates, you know, continued strong credit fundamentals and, and real uh, robust demand for, for current income. With high yield spreads at 424 basis points over treasuries, their highest level in well over a year, um, we believe that the carry and potential for modest spread compression should offer attractive return potential and significant protection from, from um, potentially higher front end interest rates. 
Uh, lastly, uh, we really are, are remain neutral in the mortgage space, um, as despite limited room for, for spread compression, uh, mortgages do offer a defensive alternative to credit markets. I'm going to conclude my comments there. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this quarter's podcast. Uh, if you have any questions about our views or positioning, please don't hesitate to give us a call.